0: Hi, welcome to North of Forty Eight. This is part three in the middle of Ukraine with journalist Philip Eitner, who lives in Kiev. Um, uh, Lynn has another question. Uh, what do you think about the uh, conversation ten days ago between President Zelensky of Ukraine and China's President Xi? Do you think it's going to be prove fruits for um, for peace in the no. future?
1: No. I- I I don't think so. I don't think the Chinese are are acting in good faith when it comes to their peace plan. I know that's a widely held opinion within Ukraine that the that Beijing and Moscow are are more aligned in their own interests than they have any interest in what Kiev wants. Um, And I mean, if you look at the plan that was put forward by Xi, one of the biggest points of it is maintain territorial sovereignty. Well, according to Russia, there were free and fair uh, referendums in four provinces within Ukraine. Now, does that mean that that is territorial integrity? Because if you talk to Moscow, then all four of those oblasts, those provinces, are now legitimately part of Russia. So is that part of territorial integrity? Right. I think Yev yeah, would would disagree. <laughs> uh, so, she's um, talk with Galinsky was good. Uh, it w- was was. Uh, was received here in Ukraine positively in the sense that China is acknowledging Kiev's um, uh, sovereignty and uh, is consulting with Kiev and, and trying to work with Kiev. Um, but the, and there's a place for China's, uh, you know, Chinese investment in a free, uh, free and legitimate sovereign Ukraine. Uh, absolutely, 100%. The, the criticism that I hear all the time in Ukraine is that we don't think that the Chinese are actually, they don't care about what we want. They care about what what they want in terms of, like, Taiwan and, you know, how this war is affecting their imperial aspirations. And because Beijing and Moscow are, you know, at least on the face of it, um, aligned. So um, everybody takes, geez, involvement here Chinese involvement here um with, with a lot of skeptics
0: okay no I, I appreciate that uh uh you saying that the um so hard i mean
1: sadly everybody wants peace but well, i have also i take this opportunity to say everybody wants peace ukrainians more so than anybody we get we got attacked last night we were you know air raid sirens ever since the kremlin attack we have had air raid sirens you know, And it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. And the Ukrainian people, more than anybody else, want peace. They're not aggressors. They're not, you know, this is not... They want this war to end, but if you don't end this war properly, knowing their own history and knowing how Russia has treated Ukraine for centuries, they know that if they do not achieve victory, real, honest victory on the battlefield, that the Russians will just come back. Okay. And so that as much as they desire peace and hate this war, my God, we hate this war. Everybody in this country hates this war.
0: I but it can't,
1: can't end um, with a question mark. It has oh. to be definitive.
0: True. Harsh, uh, uh, who's from India, has, uh, what happens if Republicans come into office? Any changes in war dynamics?
1: Well, okay, so we're talking about 2024. yeah. Um, I don't think one. I don't. I, I. I. think that a lot can happen between now and the U.S. elections. Um, and, and secondly, I don't. I. I don't know as the America is so behind um, supporting Ukraine that to um, to alter the the uh, U.S. support for Ukraine. Would would not it can't just be turned on a dime, and I also think the uh, most Republicans actually, despite the more vocal and and kind of um, outrageous element, uh within mm-hmm. the Republican Party, although the Republican Party has been well, well, kind McCart-
0: of, McCarthy was asked by yeah, a McCarthy, reporter
1: recently, right, right, yeah, McCarthy uh, recently. Any... Look, also, say if the West, if the West withdraws its support from Ukraine. For whatever reason, the Ukrainians will not stop fighting. So what that will mean is that the West will have to change its political stance, will have to change its support. And if they do, they will have to bear witness to, in essence, the genocide, because that's the only way Russia is going to control Ukraine Mm -hmm. is by a level of a level of of killing and suppression and brutality that we haven't seen since the Second World War. And will the West, having supported Ukraine, withdrawn support from Ukraine, then just sit by and watch the Russians have massive pogroms and, you know, just killing on a scale that we haven't seen in a long, long time, because that's the only way they're going to to, uh, suppress and control Ukraine. And I would argue that the West, um, you know, would not, you know, if we saw that every day, On television the russians slaughtering ukrainians because that's what they're going to have to do um will they remain as you know reluctant to support ukraine if they now withdraw their support so i don't i don't see that in the cards but you know the republic there is an element in the u.s republican party that's um you know not not thinking not 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 thinking in any terms except for their own uh, domestic policies uh, and and trying to just be you know in opposition to the Democrats and since Biden has thrown support behind Ukraine, mm-hmm. they're by default against
0: that. Well, so, well, Jason, I we... would
1: argue that the bulk of the Republican Party, you know, is still
0: okay. Right. Well, Jason makes a good comment in the chat. How can they defend themselves without weapons? Uh, Russia is using Molotov cocktails. Total. Brutal God, yeah, and they have factories.
1: matter so, You have to understand and they have factories. I mean, I'm being a little bit glib there because they have their own military industrial complex. Right. But uh, you know, you know, one of the one of the reasons why you, you asked me on here, Walters to, to to be a voice from Ukraine. And I will tell you right now, old women, old men, wives, uh children. Uh Everybody, they will pick up a brick. throw themselves at Russian tank. They they understand that if they lose this battle, they will be subjected to Moscow's cruelty for centuries to come. Because they've been through centuries of Mm -hmm. Moscow's oppression, and so they are. I have never ever. I've been through many wars. I've I've been to. Many many wars, and I have seen populations that that are you know determined to <clears throat> fight this battle, the other thing, whether it's the Libyans against Gaddafi or the Iraqi insurgency against the Americans. Um, I've never seen anything like what the Ukrainians feel right now, and they will. They, they, that's why I say we will have to bear witness to his genocide because every Ukrainian will resist. Russian occupation, and we will watch Russians killing children, literally, and that's not hyperbole. We will watch Russians killing Ukrainian grandmothers, because every Ukrainian is going to do everything in their power to resist Russian occupation, because Mm -hmm. this is it. This is it for them. If they lose this battle, it's centuries more of oppression. And they know what it's like to live the thumb of Moscow. It's so. If we withdraw our support, yes, yeah, it will be all that more brutal. It will be horrific to watch, mm-hmm. but it will happen because Ukrainians will not submit. They're not going to lie down. It's it's now or never
0: for the Ukrainians. Yep. No, I, I actually I, I believe what you just it'll said. It'll be horrible. Yeah, it, it would be.
1: It, it'll be. It will be awful to watch. It will be disgusting. It will be Russian soldiers mowing down down grandmothers, trying to throw Molotov. We will witness awful, horrible things. But the Ukrainians themselves, they'll fight. fight, They will fight with utter abandon. No doubt, it's everything to them.
0: Right, you lose.
1: you lose the battle and you lose your country. You lose True. your identity. You lose your culture. You lose your future. You lose your children's future. Your children's children's future. Right. This, is, this, is, this is everything.
0: Well, this so, is 1776. Yeah, you're living in the culture. You're absorbing the environment. You're with the people. So I appreciate uh, you expressing what, what would happen. Uh, we have a question from Harsh. Go ahead, Harsh. Hey.
2: Yeah. Hey, Walter. Thanks for this conversation with Philip. Philip, thanks for enlightening us. I haven't been following that much, uh, but uh, just wanted to ask you something. So I have a few work colleagues who are in the like Western part of Ukraine. And last time I had this conversation with them, uh, they mentioned about air raids, sirens and going to the bunkers. But they, I don't know if they acted that way, but they said they were safe on the Western part. This was like Maybe a couple of months ago, Um, they're still working. Actually, like I do interact with them daily, like to remove cars and stuff. So, what's the situation like in the western part?
1: The West, the West is a little bit further removed from the fighting. They do get uh, air raid sirens. Um, You know, the the West because it is farther away. From the front lines is often used as a place where the Ukrainians have done training and they've done uh, stockpiling of weapons. So there are legitimate military um, targets for the Russians in the West. But also the the, the Russians, I mean, also uh, we've seen they, they're they not really concerned um, always with uh, legitimacy of military targets. They, they do like to show uh, terror. Um, because they, they want to defeat that. Well, they have to defeat the Ukraine. They have to defeat the Ukrainian people and they know it. It doesn't justify their, their tactics, but it, they, they, they are, they don't care if it's military or not. They're, they're going to attack. So, you know, Lviv comes under attack, uh, uh, upon occasion, especially during the winter when they were trying to deplete, um, uh, infrastructure and, you know, heating and that kind of stuff. Um, but by and large, if you're in Lviv or if you're in Ivan Frankisk, um you don't feel the direct effect of the war as much as uh, out east. And heck, even here in the capital, we don't uh, feel the effect uh, nearly as much as they do out in Donbass or down in Zaporizhia or Kyrgyzstan. Um, we do uh, because it's the capital gets subjected to air raid, uh, sirens, missile attacks, drone attacks. <laughs> More than some places around the country, because this, this is the seat of government. Um, but um, yeah, I mean it's it, it's a big country, and uh, you know some sections are more affected than others. I mean, you drive you drive around Kramatorsk or you know uh, you know near the Bakhmut salient, for example, and you will see. Entire villages that have been, you know, and cities and towns that have been leveled uh, down to rubble. You don't see that in the West. And you don't see that around Odessa. You don't see that around, around Kiev. Yeah, I mean, even up in, in, um, in Irpin or um, uh, some of the, you know, Hostamel uh, or, or Bakhmut. I'm uh, not, not, sorry, not Bakhmut, but. Um, uh, what's the the town I'm gaffing on? Uh, but anyhow, it, around you see some of it from the initial thrust uh, around the capital. But for the most part, um, it's really out in the east where the front lines are, where you you see the most. Uh, and then you know the entire country is affected by the knock-on effect of the fighting in the east because you have internally displaced people and refugees and all of that coming. So you know it's not that, Lviv or Kiev is is Unaffected by the war, everybody's affected by the war, but the the, the harshness of uh, the the war itself is is mostly seen uh, east and and
0: south. Right. <laughs> so that that's good for you harsh i,
1: ho- I hope your colleague i hope your colleagues are, are are remaining you know safe and mentally sound because that's also an issue is is how taxing this is on the mental health and the well-being of you, of of you because you know you everything is subject to change there's no stability everybody's affected by by themselves if not by mm-hmm. you know friends and loved ones you know nobody is nobody has escaped this war even if they're escaping even if they're not as subject to, you know, actual physical harm, mental yeah. health is also deeply affected.
2: That's a fair point because it's a big team actually. And as far as I remember, I think most of them are still there. Some of them have left the country. A couple of them joined the military, but uh, few of them are staying put. So right. let's
0: see. And also, also the safe. Ukraine army has like four hundred thousand women in it too. So, yep, women are doing yeah. it a part. So uh, sure are rodrigo you have another question
1: yes uh what would you say to the people who think we should be paying attention to the other more perhaps more urgent genocides going on like sudan or ethiopia where the West
0: uh, carefully refuses to even acknowledge that something's going on there.
1: Yeah, I've heard that argument. <clears throat> I've heard that argument, uh, and I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, we should absolutely be paying attention to every uh, conflict around the globe and trying to 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 negotiate peace and uh, you know diminish. Uh, as somebody who spent, uh, you know, the better part of three decades going to wars, um, war is a terrible thing, and um, and it should be and it should be, you know, avoided as at best we possibly can in every in every place, in every measure, in every way. Why do I think Ukraine deserves more attention? Is the fact that this <clears throat> the the ramifications of what happens here. Is not inter- totally internal within Ukraine. Is solely not regional. This is global, um, and 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 it will it will change because you know there's there's the argument that if you allow Russia to annex territory by force of arms, you are changing a uh, a, a, a you know a a a, a, a world order. Uh, that was established post Second World War. That has been, you know, you, you don't take, you don't annex by by force of arms. Well, well you know, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, any any number of conflicts that can be brought up that you know call into question that. Yeah, well, but America didn't try to make Iraq the 51st state. I know it's it's kind of you know we can get into a really deep philosophical. And geopolitical argument about, you know, well, yeah, but then it's just corporations that are now taking over and it's not nation states. Well, okay, fine. And and true, legitimate. All of those arguments are at play here. But what what for me, when you ask why pay so much attention to Ukraine? Because this ends centuries of conflict on the European continent the question of who controls the stretch of territory between empires from the Baltic Sea to the Adriatic to the Black. This is a triangle of power, which is which is where empires historically have maneuvered to try and control base, most importantly, because of Russia, but also no doubt because of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, um, uh, the, 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 you know, the German uh, Imperial aspirations uh, and the Ottoman Turk aspirations. All of those things have combined into creating this very uh, um, contentious uh, area, stretch of land. And it, this is the last stretch. This is it. This mm-hmm. is the last stretch of land between the Adriatic and the Black Sea. I mean, if you look at, you know, okay, yes, you could argue that the First World War was, was conducted because of uh, alliances that were then drawn into power. But ultimately, what's, what sparked it. Was Serbian national identity in a post Austro Hungarian world, right? I mean, that's but what happened in Sarajevo, sparked the Second World War, was because of this question of who has identity in, in a stretch of land in Europe, which has been colonialized. You could argue, you know, well, you can't you not just argue, but we know that Hitler was looking for Lebensraum, which was Ukraine, a question of who owns the colonial stretch of territory in Europe. Called Ukraine, and if when this war ends and the and and it is definitive and 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 you know it's decided this is these are the borders and this is who control and 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 Ukraine has self determination and sovereignty, that will stop that question and it will stabilize Europe in a, in a huge way and it might change Europe but it mm-hmm. will stabilize Europe and and it, it it's going to be. Um, it's going to be a big, big deal in terms of of um, how nation states um, uh, pursue their own self determination, um, because this has always been a question. Ukraine has always been a question, and once this question is answered, as part of that, you know, Baltic, Adriatic, Black Sea question, um, this this will the hope is, and I firmly believe, stop um uh the this question and destabilizing right.
0: europe so um jason you know, um philip are you, that are, yeah philip are you sure you're a journalist and not a history teacher um it's <laughs> very good um so we got to kind of wrap this up well, but, we something well else. but
1: walter walter we can't talk about ukraine without talking about history because that's this true. is living history yeah, this is the culmination 100% centuries of history. And, 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 it's, and in answer to the, to the previous question, why do I think Ukraine is so important to pay attention to, is because as the culmination of history, this answers an, an open wound in a post-imperial Europe that will draw a close to imperial aspirations, Right. And bring about stability, and so that's why I, 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 you cannot talk about what's happening here without understanding Ukraine's history and and putting it within a historical context. Right. And and we're and are witness, we're witnessing history right now. We are witnessing.
0: Well, well, we're we're witnessing history
1: uh, uh, that has been a long time coming, and it's right. amazing.
0: It's well, we're, wit- to me. we're I'm, win- I'm
1: honored to be here.
0: Well you're doing ukraine uh justice my friend i'll i'll say that um so because we're we're kind of faced in the geopolitical world now is how do you stop a country with a nuclear bomb from taking over another country and and that's mm-hmm. that's what the world faces and you know it could uh, be russia could be ukraine could be china uh i mean north korea is supposed to have one now um so I I I agree with what you're saying. Um, do you know? Uh, so Jason has a question out of the chat. If you knew a Jimmy Hill, he he was a teacher and he was an American killed in Ukraine. Um, oh,
1: <clears throat> I, yes, I I know of him. I didn't know him, but yes. Yeah, I know the name. Uh, <clears throat> you know, so that, there's it, been a, quite a few Americans that have died
0: here. Right. So, so I so, lost
1: a I lost a friend here. I lost a journalist friend here. You oh
0: know? my. And, and that shows you how this world has affected other people around the world, too, as well, right? It's, it's a global country. So um, I don't think there are any more uh, questions. I have, like, lots. But we've spent two hours with you, Philip, and I so much appreciate it. I think it's been about two hours, sure.
1: Well, it's my it's my pleasure. Um, you know, I do this because um, I really do want to fight back against Russian propaganda. And misinformation yeah and the disinformation the propaganda campaign and the narrative that <clears throat> this is you know like a, a it, i mean it, you know the the that ukraine is being used as a proxy state well that might be true but at the same time that doesn't that doesn't counteract the fact that ukraine is seeking its sovereignty so it's seeking its self determination it deserves it and we should support it um because uh you know there's a lot of lot of reasons to support ukraine but um that's why I'm here and so um, thank you thank you for listening to me and I I hope that those of you who had questions about whether or not um, Ukraine is a cause worth supporting um, that maybe I've answered a couple of those questions maybe put pay <clears throat> put paid to some of the propaganda coming out of Russia um, but you know ultimately I I just would leave you with the fact this country deserves to be free it deserves to be its own country it deserves to have self-determination deserves to live in a very different way than than Moscow would have it uh, live and um we really we really should support it um because it's, it's the right thing to do and it's better for the planet it's better for the region and ultimately I think it's even better for Russia um, you know they're going they have to do the hard work that was uh, was that was postponed in a post-soviet Union mm-hmm. And as difficult as it is for them to look in the mirror and, and look at themselves in a non-imperial, um, you know, without the, the auspices of being the Russian Empire, um, it'll ultimately be better for them too. But first and foremost, my cause is with the Ukrainian people. And um, I urge you to support them because um, they deserve the right to to have a democracy and to have uh, sovereignty and self-determination.
0: Well, well said. And um, I think you're a fan of long form journalism, too, as well, judging by your answers. Uh, You must have had these (laughs) questions quite a bit. And uh, I appreciate the thoughtfulness in in your answers and and the way you could go on. And like, solid, I could do this for 10 hours. So I just appreciate you waking up having, I don't know if you even had a cup of coffee yet, Philip.
1: I did have my little in my Lviv coffee.
0: Oh, there you go. Well, uh, you got a lot of thank yous in the chat here, and uh, appreciate it. I'm, I'm hoping to spread you, the word. I'm, All
1: I ha- ask is you spread the word.
0: You got her, and and I'm hoping that um, uh, after a little time passes, if you wouldn't mind coming on again, and and we'll talk about something specific. Yep. Sure. Sure. We have to. Hack of a guy, Philip. You take care, my friend
1: all right thanks everybody
0: thank you that was the final installment of uh the interview with philip eitner who is currently in kiev and um uh, fascinating journalist go to his facebook philip eitner go to his youtube channel philip eitner and uh give him some support some likes and you will also do yourself the service of being updated on ukraine and what it's like with the with the alarms with the bombs with what's happening there thank you so much for listening it's been north of 48 bye